As we continue in this series, Security Measures, what we just uh, partook in together uh, as the idea of communion was the antithesis of what we're talking about today. Uh, Because what we just celebrate and remember is God giving us his son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have a right relationship with him uh, throughout eternity. And today, as we continue in this security measure series, today we're talking about uh, the topic of protecting ourselves uh, from greed. Now, everybody's excited at this point as we talk about greed. It's just one of those topics which uh, may or may not elicit a lot of exciting responses, but Even so, it's still something that's very, very prevalent in our society and in our culture and in all of our lives. Um, In fact, it's just something that we see every day. Now, I I kind of remember, you know, I don't know when the first time I actually heard greed or was uh, understood what greed was or even was introduced to the formal topic of greed. I remember being greedy as a kid, but I don't remember somebody saying, you're greedy. But I remember when I kind of uh, look back and, and think of when it was first formulated in a, in a real c- uh, concise way. It was back in 1987. I heard this quote. and see if you know where this quote comes from. Uh, this guy was talking and he says, The point, ladies and gentlemen, is that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Anybody know where that's from? Say it out. You know where it's from? Wall Street, Wall Street. Uh, back in 1987, you guys remember Charlie Sheen uh, with, uh, in, that, in that movie Wall Street where the whole idea of the movie is about the accumulation and about this idea of greed. Now, we associate with greed with something very negative. I mean, when we talk about characteristics of people, when we talk about greed, it's not in a positive fashion. I mean, if you were talking about your best friend and you're saying, hey, my best friend, he's a, he's a great guy. Uh, he's a good athlete. You know, he's very competitive, but doesn't overdo it. Uh, you know, just a hard worker. Oh, and the best thing of all is that he's so greedy. I mean, it just doesn't, just doesn't work. You know, if you were, if you had a, a projected spouse, or I guess that's called a uh, fiance, um, and you were talking about them, and you were saying, hey, listen, this, she's so beautiful, she's wonderful, she's so thoughtful, uh, she makes me these nice things, oh, and the best thing of all is that she's so greedy. I mean, it just doesn't work. I mean, greed, we just look at it in such a negative, negative way. And the reason is, is because greed is always associated with the idea of consumption or the accumulation of things, of stuff. And when somebody's greedy, we look at it as though someone is willing to walk over anyone, is willing to do whatever it takes to accumulate something that they want. And so we look at them as greedy. And greed is something that is so powerful, but yet it's so subtle even in our, in our culture. Uh, there's ways that we see it so uh, overt. I mean, uh, how many of you went out on Black Friday? How many of you witnessed some greed going on on Black Friday? I mean, we look at TV pictures and we see people mobbing stores. I mean, some people, uh, I saw people setting up tents days before because they had to have this particular item. I don't know what, what it was. But we look at greed in such an overt way where sometimes we can picture it and we look at people are stopping and rushing into stores and retail outlets and things like that and we think, oh, those people are so greedy. But yet greed can also be very subtle. It can be something that we all deal with on, a, on a, maybe a daily basis where we look at things and before we know it, greed is kind of taken hold, just gets a little step in. Uh, if you're out looking for a car, basic transportation, before you know it, you go into the car dealership and you're looking at a car base and you're like, I can afford the base model. Oh, but the base model, you, don't, you can't live with the base model. And before you know it, they start adding on all these features that you know you never knew you needed in the first place. And before you know it, greed has got a hold of you and you've got to have this thing. 
It's so subtle, but it's so powerful as well. It's so powerful in our spiritual journeys because it can, it can kind of get us off track a little bit. It can make us go down roads we don't really want to be down. And talking in a spiritual sense, when we come into a place like this, I mean, we don't want to be labeled as greedy because it's kind of the antithesis of what Christianity is all about. So we try to keep greed outside of, uh, outside of these four walls. But it's not just about a spiritual matter. It's also about just a logistical matter, about the way our emotions work, about we, how we function in life. Because when we're obsessed with something, when we're greedy for the accumulation of something, it can almost be so powerful that it drives us. It becomes our master. We're controlled by that which we want to accumulate. And in turn, it can almost be oppressive because our freedom is gone because our minds are so caught up in the stuff or the accumulation of something else. What else do we need? Now, as followers of Christ, I don't think any of us want to be labeled as greedy, but even as human beings, I think all of us would love to be free from the strings of being controlled by things. We just don't want to be that kind of person. So what's the answer to greed? I mean, how do you, how do you combat greed? How do you put a security measure in place to where it's not a, an issue? Well, most of the time what we do is we think, well, we're just going to fight greed. We're just going to fight through it. We're going to grit our teeth and we're going to bear through it. We're not going to buy that new shirt or we're not going to buy that car or we're going to go on a strict budget. We're not going to spend any money. Christmas is off. All right, we're going to combat greed. I mean, how long does that last though? Not very long. I mean, before you know it, we build up so, so much intensity that it's so powerful that we just go crazy and we spend more than we would in the first place and we would have just handled it normally. I don't think that really when we look at trying to improve our lives by following Christ uh, through different things such as greed or, or other areas, that it's just a matter of making a decision that I'm not going to be greedy anymore. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Well, I got news for you. That's going to be really tough in our culture, all right? It's going to be really tough when you go out to the store, you go anywhere in life, when people are focused on trying to get you to buy their product or trying to accumulate what they, what they need. Our culture is driven by this. But yet, I don't think any of us want to be known as greedy people. So what's the answer to this? Well, let's look at what Jesus has to say. Jesus always has a good thing to say or two. And since we're in church, it'd be good to see what Jesus has to say about this topic of greed. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. And this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is some of Jesus' most profound teaching, very, very practical teaching on different topics. And one of the topics he gets to is in this idea of greed. So let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 6. It'll be on the screen. And this is verses 19 through 24. And let's just read through. And I'm going to come back and make some comments on this. But this is, this is literally Jesus speaking. So that's why it's read in your Bible. This is Jesus talking. He says this. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moss and vermin, you can rust, whatever, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he comes with this famous statement, you cannot serve both God and money. 
So here Jesus is kind of talking a little bit about this idea of greed when it comes to the accumulation of things. Now, let me give you some fun facts from Jesus' teaching, all right? Let's just call them fun, because everything Jesus does is fun. So fun facts from Jesus' teaching. Taking that passage of Scripture we just looked at, here's a couple things that we can gain from what Jesus just said. First thing is that your stuff will not last. Jesus says it. He says, don't store up for for yourself stuff here on earth where thieves, rust, all this stuff comes through and it'll destroy it. All right, nothing I'm going to say here is really too profound. And you may think to yourselves, well, that's good because nothing you ever say is profound. But nothing here is profound. These are things I don't think are really mind-blowing. In fact, I think we know this kind of stuff. We know that our stuff won't last. Your stuff is not going to last. Now, if you, if you don't believe me, think back to this. Remember in the 80s, you had to have that car. Maybe it was a Trans Am. Maybe it was some clothing. Maybe you had to have that members-only jacket that everybody had. And probably at the time, you bought into thinking, oh, man, this is it. This is it. This is the last jacket I will ever need. Or this is the last car I will ever buy because in my life, everybody is going to look at me and driving my Trans Am with the big eagle on the front and be shocked in awe of what I'm driving. Now, let me ask you, all right, 30 years later, I mean, what do you even remember having during the 80s? I mean, sure, you may have that car, may have lasted for a while, but my guess is, unless you have that car that's been parked in your garage that you don't let out in the elements, I'm pretty sure you've probably gone through a couple cars since then. Because we know this. We know our stuff is not going to last. Sometimes I'll look at old pictures and I'll look at things and I'm like, oh my goodness, I really thought that that was it. I really thought that once I attain this thing, that I would be good to go. And I, I wasn't. I mean, we, we know this. We know that our stuff is not going to last. Time just will deteriorate everything. And if it's not time, the Bible also says thieves can come break through and steal. So in my, in my neighborhood this week, a lot happening. Some of you are my neighbors. You know what I'm talking about. So I'm in my neighborhood. I come up. I come out Wednesday. It's about noon. I'm getting ready for work. Just kidding. I was a little earlier than that. <laughs> it's Kurt hours, you know. I got Anyway, I'm coming out in the morning and uh, going to work, and I look out across, uh, and I, I notice that a tree looks like it's been trimmed. I'm like, oh, wow, they really opened that up. So my neighbor comes out, and we're talking a little bit, and I'm like, that tree wasn't trimmed. That thing fell over. And what happened is the, the, the tree was not one of those goes up horizontal, or, uh, vertical, but it was one of those trees, those oak trees that kind of go out, go out horizontal. So the tree actually fell on the neighbor's house. But that wasn't the worst part of it. It hit the two cars that were in the driveway. Now, that wasn't the worst of it. Come to find out, this guy had just bought this car four days before. (laughs) Yeah, sad, isn't it? Four days before, he bought this car, and now it's got this huge tree sitting on it that was on there for days. They they finally got the thing. There's wood everywhere. And it's like, I'm thinking, I'm knowing what I'm speaking on this Sunday. I'm like, oh my goodness, here's this guy. Now, I'm not saying he's greedy just because he has a car. But if, if, it were, if it were a person who was so greedy, I've got to have this, I've got to have this, I've got to have it. Look, I got this. Four days later, timber. I mean, really, how many of us have looked out and tried to attain things only to realize very quickly that, that our stuff is not going to last? It's just not going to last. Another fun fact that Jesus said, he goes on and he says, not only will your stuff not last, but your treasure shows your heart. 
Now, when we talk about your treasure, what are those things in your life? What are those maybe objects or things that you have that you possess that are very valuable to you? You hold them dear. Those things, what Jesus is saying, that is what just shows you or shows the rest of the world or shows your friends really what's going on in here, what your heart is all about. Now, you could do this simply. I mean, if you go in my son's room, you will see what his passions are. You will see where his heart is, so to speak. He likes baseball and Legos. No doubt about it. You can go into his room and you'll think, oh my goodness, this kid likes baseball and Legos. If you go in my daughter's room, you're going to oh my goodness, this girl likes American Girl stuff. What happens is the stuff we treasure, the stuff we value, it is an inset, it is a, it is a, it is a portal into our heart. Now, Jesus isn't saying that it's wrong to have treasures. What he's saying is that your treasures reveal what is going on inside of you. So we sometimes think that we can kind of, uh, kind of cover it up and people really won't know what we value, but people know what we value. What we hold dear may not be a physical object, but it could be the way we treat people. It could be the way we operate. It could be the way we handle ourselves. It could be a whole host of things that reveal really what we are on the inside. And Jesus is saying, listen, you have stuff, and the stuff that you're trying to accumulate here and there, it's not going to last, but whatever you're trying to accumulate, whatever you're trying to do, it's revealing of who you are. It reveals a lot about your character, about what are you, where your heart is. And my guess is, is that if you look around and you think of your friends, you can pretty much identify, yeah, that's pretty much what they value. And again, it doesn't have to be bad things. I'm not talking like this is all negative. But in truth, I mean, it could be a revealing of the fact that he is a family man or they really, he's all about his house or they're all about travel or, or whatever it is. But this is just a fun fact from Jesus. Jesus is saying, listen, whatever you hold value, whatever you treasure out there is going to be revealed in your heart. It's going to show what is in your heart. And another fun fact from this passage that Jesus gives is that you can only really pursue one treasure. He says it in the way of you can only have one master where you're going to love the one and hate the the other, but you can't serve two masters. Now, again, don't, don't miss what Jesus isn't saying. Jesus is not saying it's wrong to have a master. What Jesus is saying is that, listen, in your life, you're going to be driven by something. The question is, what are you going to be driven by? And he says, at some point, you're going to have to realize that in your life, it is going to be impossible for you to juggle two masters. Something is always going to take precedence. Something is always going to be number one. Something is always going to be the overdriving force of your life to where when push comes to shove, that which is valuable, that which you hold dear, that which you treasure the most is going to always have the last shot, the last call. And so Jesus is saying, listen, it's just going to happen. At some point in your life, something's going to converge where you're going to have to make the decision and your overriding master is going to make that decision. So the question is, who is your master? So as you look at this passage in terms of greed, these are just some facts that Jesus is saying to all of us. He says, listen, your stuff isn't going to last. You know that. You know your stuff's not going to last. And we can know it up here, but a lot of times our actions don't always match up to what we know in our heads. 
We know that. Second thing is, we also know that what we have, what we value, indicates what we are on the inside, what we hold dear, what we value. And the third thing he says is, listen, at some point, your, your masters are going to converge, and you're only going to have one that really calls the shot. Now, to take all of this, all of what Jesus said, a lot of times we look at this and we think, oh, it's just negative. It just means don't love money. Don't love money. I'm going to sell all my possessions. Don't do anything. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying anything like that because the Bible has a lot about money management. It has a lot about how to handle yourself wisely. So he's not talking about that. What he's talking about is the greed, the powerful drive that controls people to where we give our lives over to something besides Christ. So the question is, how do you manage that greed? Because at the beginning, we talked about nobody really wants to be known as a greedy person, as a human being, but also as a Christian. We just don't want to be greedy people. So what do we do? Well, the bottom line for me to take all of what Jesus says and to kind of come to a conclusion about this is really a statement I have in the bulletin where I believe the issue is not about our greed. It's not about our greed. The issue, though, is the object of our greed. The object is, the the issue is the object of our greed. You see, if you were to look in the Bible and read all the passages about greed, it doesn't talk about the drive as being something that you need to stay away from. It's not about the fact that we're driven towards something or that we do have a master. The issue always comes to play in the object of our greed. You are going to be a driven person towards something. We can say you're going to be greedy in some type of way. Something in your life is driving you towards something. The question basically is, is what is the object of your greed? Now, if you don't want to be a person who is driven by stuff, by things that don't matter, or things that, I shouldn't say don't matter, but things that don't last The alternative here is what Jesus says, hey, listen, you can't serve two masters. Now, this is a positive statement. Don't take this as a negative statement. A lot of times we look at this and we think, well, Jesus is just telling us not to love money. He's just telling us to sell everything and get rid of our nice stuff. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is saying you can't serve two masters. So if you don't want to be driven by things, by the accumulation of things, the answer here is to be driven by something else, which is Christ. You see, we get all mixed up when we try to pull back on the greed. We try to control passions. We try to pull back on all this stuff. And all this time, Jesus is saying, listen, it's not about not being passionate. It's not about not being driven. It's all about where you are driven. Who is your master? Who is controlling the shots? Who is the one that is driving you? Who is the one who has ultimate authority over you? And what Jesus is saying is if Christ is the one who has ultimate authority over you, When you come to that convergence where there's a decision to be made, the headmaster always wins. And if Christ is the headmaster of you and your life, then greed, the accumulation of things, the overarching drive for just stuff, then becomes secondary because it is no longer your master. It's not a matter of gritting your teeth. I'm not going to be greedy. I'm not going to be greedy. I'm not going to be greedy. Oh man, I was just greedy. It's not that. It's the change of focus to where it's not about being controlled by stuff. It's about being controlled by Christ. 
Now, as Jesus goes on in this, in this passage, in this, in this chapter, in fact, he kind of brings all of this to a head in, in a verse a little bit later on in, 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 in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 6. And it's such a powerful verse because it takes all of Jesus' fun facts, it takes all of this into consideration, and it drives it home to a point that is so powerful and it's so familiar to all of us. So later on in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus continues on and he says this verse, and many of you know it. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Let me read that again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you as well. Now again, many of us have heard this verse before. In fact, there's songs that are written about this verse that if we've been in church for a long time, we used to sing these songs. But my question to you is, what, what would happen? Just what would happen if we really took the authority of this verse to heart? If we really just didn't look at this as a song that we used to sing or it's a verse that we always use here and there. But if we really took to heart the message of this particular verse, of what Jesus Christ is saying to you, to seek first his kingdom. Imagine what your life would be like if you sought after his kingdom first and allowed everything else to fall into place. So often, though, we have this thing flipped upside down where we're trying to figure all of this stuff out. And finally, when we got it all figured out, then we're trying to bring Christ into it. And we're trying to bring his kingdom in line with what we're trying to do. And Jesus is saying, listen, it's not about that. It's not about trying to get everything figured out because your frame wasn't made to figure it all out. That's my job. Your job is simply to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and let him work all of that other stuff out. Imagine what it would do in your life, the oppression of trying to keep up with everyone else, of trying to realize that, hey, when I purchase this thing, in the back of my mind, I know, I just know that this isn't going to last. And I know that's what's going to happen is I'm already feeling the pressure of trying to find something else that is going to take its place. And Jesus is saying, you were not made to live like this. You were not made to be so controlled by something other than God himself. Imagine what would happen in a church if all of us as followers of Jesus Christ decided to take this verse literally and authoritatively, if we looked at it in a way that we said, yes, his kingdom is first in my life. He is first in my life. Everything else, everything else falls into place. It may not fall the way we want it, but everything else will fall into place. Let me ask you a question. You're a greedy person. But the question is, what is driving your greed? What is driving it? Maybe another way I could ask this is, who is your master? Who is your master? Who is the one calling the shots in your life? You may think, well, I'm calling the shots. 
I'm the one who's deciding to do this, to do this, to do this, to accumulate this. I got news for you. You've given up the right of mastership in your life to things that are not going to last. We started this message with communion. With the idea of what Christ gave for you so you could have a right relationship with him. And many of us are being sucked into a world that is controlling us in so many ways that we have sold out our lives for stuff that we know will not last. Let me put it to you another way. What is your life worth? What is the extent of the accumulation of the days, the weeks, the years, the decades of your life worth? Is it really worth the accumulation of things that you look back on in 20 years and you don't even remember it? Is it worth looking up and saying, I got it. I finally accumulated what I wanted to accumulate. And we look around and there's a wake of bodies because we've trampled over so many people in the process of accumulating stuff. I mean, do we really want to look at our lives in a way that say, hey, I attained it. My life was worth, the existence of my being was worth this car, these clothes, this gold, this silver, this sheetrock on a board. What is your life worth? When Jesus Christ came and he laid down his life for you, he made a bold statement at that point by saying that regardless of what you've done, regardless of the way you feel, regardless of the emotions that you bring in, regardless of your past, regardless of your failures, regardless of anything that you bring into the mix, regardless of any of that, your life is worth the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't sell out for something that will not last. You have so much to give You have so much to do. You are a valued child of Almighty God who is saying to you, just seek me first and let me take care of the rest. Release that burden. Stop trying to keep up with everybody else. Stop trying to say you're okay by the things you accumulate. Stop trying to attain, to attain, to attain, to try to feel something that I'm already providing for you. You are valuable. You are a child of God. And you are worth him sacrificing his son so that you could be rightly related to him for eternity. There is not a car, there is not a house, there is not gold, there is not silver, there is not anything that we can attain on this earth that is worth that. And yet Christ and God gave it to us freely. The more we're able to look at God as our master, all of this stuff will take care of itself. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Our prayer partners are going to make their way up front. And as they do, I just want to challenge you this morning. The band's going to keep us worshiping a little bit. And if there's something in your life right now that uh, you're questioning, 
If you feel as though you're selling out, if you feel as though, hey, there's something I need to get right, don't go about it alone. We're all on this journey together. All of us fight this. All of us struggle with this. All of us are going down this road. Don't do it alone. Our prayer partners are here to help you. They're here to pray with you. They're here to encourage you. And they're here to speak truth into you. The truth of the way God sees you as a loving son and a loving daughter. As I pray for us and we are dismissed, you can stay and you can worship a little bit more or you can leave if you feel led to leave or you can come down and just pray. But friends, just leave here with one thought. He's your master. He bought you. And all of this stuff compared to him is nothing. Would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, as I said, we're all on this journey together. We all struggle with a world in which we are told that that stuff is really what drives us, what, what really can help us, what really can fill holes that only you can. And God, I just ask that we realize that this isn't just about, this isn't just about living. This isn't just about uh, having things. This is about who our master is. Who is the driving force? Who is calling the shots in our lives? And my guess here, there's many of us don't want to be controlled by stuff. We don't want to be controlled by things. We want to be controlled by you. Make yourself evident. Make yourself visible. Make yourself a reality in our lives so that we can confidently say that you are our master. You are the one we strive for. You are the one we worship. And when push comes to shove, we follow you because you bought us with a price. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for easing the burden of greed in our lives. And thank you for replacing it with a strength, with a mercy, and with a peace that surpasses all understanding. Bless this church. Bless the people in this church as we go forth from here and follow you as our master. In your son's name, amen.